Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Alicia Shanice Reviews. I am your host, it's your girl Shanice, coming back at you with another podcast. We are on episode 217 today, and today's topic is BMF. We on season 2, episode 3, titled Devil's Night. Which, yes, 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 was a real thing, still a real thing, not so bad in today's time but back in the 80s 90s was a real thing in michigan so this is devil's night the description reads devil's night and a drug drought causes chaos and a spike in crime in the city of detroit meat seeks a new supply from k9 at a bloody cost while terry confronts a car service competitor so y'all already know we about to get into it. We about to break it down, dissect it scene by scene like we do over here on this platform. After that, I will play the trailer for next week. And I have a sleeper for you guys in my Joe Budden style. Shout out to the pod father. This pod might be a little lengthy because this episode was a lot and we about to get into it and then i want to play um two trailers for our upcoming shows that are returning in february as well a lot of our shows are coming back so i'm excited about that as always if you need to get in touch with me facebook is alicia shanice instagram alicia shanice reviews email alicia shanice reviews 13 at gmail.com you can inbox you can dm you can email me if you have any special recap requests or if you have a business or brand that you want me to shout out of course i do not charge for any of that i will shout out whatever you're working on and i will recap what you want just give me a minute to you know check out your request and i'll get that recap out for you or if you just want to hit your girl up and say what's up that's cool too i would love to hear from you but on that note let's get into the show because we have a lot to talk about so let's talk bmf Wish you a minute, niggas, baby. It's hard to tell a 
told what's going on. That's how they know what's happening. I ride you with the top down, the trunk full of Yoda. Get a pharmaceutical, I move that Coca-Cola. Thousand grams of pure, though I fuck with the weirdos. It's not the way to pain, bang the dope and they bang. Shorty crying, Christmas they coming up, I've slapped up. When it hurts the worst, the A's find out she knocked up. Welfare ain't option, the feds come knocking. It's all fucked up, so we just need a look. That song so damn hard. Last year when I went to the BMF premiere, I think I played that song every day, nonstop, straight. It just it just motivates me. <laughs> it just motivates me. Um, so as always, the show opens up. The story you're about to see is loosely based on truth. Some of the names, characters, business. And events have been fictionalized for dramatic purposes. But a lot of this shit may have actually happened. Then we get a message from Southwest T. Moms never allowed us to celebrate Devil's Night or Halloween. But Meech and I still found a way to mask up and get back at motherfuckers who owed us. Terry Southwest T. Flannery. Oh yeah. Shout out to the whole... Greenlight gang, stars, BMF cast and crew, because they have been green lit for season three. So it will be a season three. And Big Meech Gun Chargers just got dropped. Shout out to I'm not not Big Meech. Little Meech. <laughs> little Meech. His gun chargers just got dropped. So shout out to Little Meech. Doing his damn thing. All right. So <clears throat> the show opens up with that old school devil's night in the 70s. Where the fires was everywhere, showing with Meech and Terry was kids. And you got, you know, Big Charles, he out there making them get in the house. And, you know, they protecting over their house and praying, you know, for everything to be safe. Like I said, in Michigan, you know, I'm from Flint. In Michigan, Devil's Night was a real big deal. The night before Halloween, stuff was chaotic, stuff was crazy. And I mean, it was fires everywhere. They would set a lot of abandoned buildings on fire. It was a real, real big deal. It used, especially up in the 90s when I was growing up, you knew it was going to be a lot of fires on Devil's Night. So a lot of people who were not from Michigan, they were unfamiliar with this. They thought it might have been exaggerated, but no, 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 no. Um, This was a real big deal. They even show real footage of the fires um, on the television show. They showed the real news footage of the fires back in the day. So, you know, of course, then it cuts to the present time of the show. And we see business has picked up ever since the Flannery's hired the uh, white chick, Denise. So business is doing good. So Charles is all smiles right now. They show news footage while him and Terry are talking and before him and Terry and Nicole head to school. And we see it was a real big drug bust that caused a drought. It was like 700 pounds of cocaine. And, you know, this also happened on Devil's Night. <laughs> so that's even more chaos. It's a drug drought. People can't get their work. People can't get out there and hustle. And it's Devil's Night and people are already acting a fool. So just straight chaos. And if this is the year around 87, 88, it really, really, really was a really big drug um, bust. Um, I forgot where they said it was on the television show. But I want to say in California, it has something to do with the 
not what happened in California, but I want to say it has something to do with the Cali cartel. When they sent the shipment over, they got a really big bus. It wasn't from Pablo's uh, Medellin cartel. It was from Cali's cartel, and it cost a lot. I mean, they got a lot of money. I want to say that was 87 88 they got hella drugs and hella money through that. Um, it was at a warehouse. If this is around the same time, so it really was a drought around this time, and it came from the Cali cartel. Y'all know I do a lot of research on the cartels. I'm really into all cartels, um, Medellin, Cali. Um, I get off into all of that. So that's how <laughs> I knew that much part of it. Um, that that was true to form, just like it happened back in the day, and that caused a lot of shit with the cartels as well. So, it cuts to the next scene, and we got that keep sweat, make it last forever playing in the background, and we see Meech getting it on with Monique, they getting it on there, and he like, ride that thing, but anywho, <laughs> we learn in this scene that she is a paralegal, she works as a paralegal, which we never knew what she did back in season one, but we see that's what she does now, because she like, look, put that shit out, don't get on, we trying to go in there, smelling like, no weed. Now, uh, my mom actually had called me about this thing because she was like, last season, did um they have a baby together? And I was like, you know what? They never really touched on it, but I was confused because I went to the premiere um last year. So I got to see episode one before it came out. And I so I watched episode one like three times last year. So I remember when, um as the season prolonged, I'm like, that's supposed to be his baby mama in the show. Because if you go back to season one, episode one, as they're in the bed together, off that damn Rick James um, fight and desire. He asked her, he said, did you get the money? Um, was that enough money I gave you for the kids? And they only ever show her daughter, Zoe, who Lamar claims is his. This is not. Um, and then when he went in there and said, you know, daddy, this, daddy, that to the little baby, Cece, that's not his baby by Lori. Um, the one who Soraya, her character, because that little girl's name is Nika. They called her Nini. So I remember watching an interview with Lil Meech a few years ago when he said he had two older sisters that lived in Detroit, but they were from two different mothers. So I'm guessing Monique is supposed to be his baby mama now from my intellect, from what I picked up, but I could be wrong. But I'm guessing Monique is his baby mother too. And they got the little one with them too. We don't know who Zoe daddy really is because we know she had told Lamar about 10 damn times that Zoe is not his. So um, I don't know, but I'm guessing Monique is supposed to be his baby mama. I always thought she was supposed to be from episode one of season one, but I could be wrong. We'll see as the show goes on. But right now I'm going to call her his baby mama because that was a kid in their name, TT, and it looked like it was Monique baby and it looked like it was Meech. So just a little thing right there on that scene. So, we go into the next scene, and we see, um, it shows T and Nikki, they're in the car, and the tire blows out, and she hits her head pretty hard, but before we know she's okay, it cuts over at K9's, um, 
at his spot. We got big man. He in there cheating, but his boy Sterling Black handles that. I'm sure we will see more of the dude Sterling Black because K9 mentioned his reputation and we know that they don't mention little stuff like that for no reason. So I'm imagining that Sterling Black is one of his, you know, number ones and he puts the work in. But we seen big man. He sure had them damn cards up under that uh, jacket of his. Now we learned that Meech cousin in Cleveland, he claimed he didn't got robbed. So Meech goes to K9, but due to it's a drought, he ain't flooding the streets. He tell him like, look, you bring the uh, the loud dude Travis back to me alive, not dead. Then maybe we can talk. He don't tell him he gonna give him nothing, but he tell him they can have a conversation. But he gotta follow orders and bring Travis back alive. So K9 also mentions that he don't drink. He don't do drugs or party. The only thing he do for fun is make money. So he gives Meech descriptive instructions to bring Travis back alive. Now, he also lets him know that blood don't make you family. Loyalty does. Um, K-9 tells um, Meech to check his story. And... He didn't say that for nothing because towards the end of the episode, before everything turned to chaos, um, Meech did learn that his cousin had just bought a brand new car. So it looked like his cousin might be in Cleveland doing some shady shit. And then now he already in trouble because it's a drought. So I'm sure it'll go back to that um, in a few episodes. So we go into the next scene. And Charles is pissed off as usual about the car. But Terry tells him it more than likely was just, you know, a devil's night prank. He ain't in the drug game no more. And, you know, they both mad because this was going to be a big money night for both of them because they the only car service driving through the city on devil's night. Everybody else too scared because it's too chaotic. But um, now they are car short and Charles is mad as hell as always. He instantly goes to thinking it's some street stuff. He ain't even asking Nicole is her head okay. <laughs> he just worried about the car. But, you know, Charles is going to be Charles in the show. So we cut to the next scene. And Detective Veronica and Brian talk about how the 50 boys in 12th Street, they have now merged together. And now they're going by Black Mafia family, BMF. And, you know... Brian is just going on and on and on. And Veronica got to ask him, like, dude, why you always get a hard on talking about, you know, Meech? You know they never caught Moby Dick, right? So, you know, she was referencing Moby Dick. And he like, they did catch Moby Dick. And she like, no, they didn't. So, you know, um, it cuts to the next scene. And Meech tells B. Mickey that they need to find the dude Travis. And bring him back to K-9. That's when one of the workers came in and told um, Meech that Nicole and Terry had a little run in with the car and she hit her head. So he runs to the house, of course, because, you know, he loves his, loves his siblings. And Nikki, she okay. She just playing it worse so she can have an extra couple of days of school. Can you blame a kid for being a kid? You know, if you can be dramatic and stay home and watch TV, why not? So, T and Meech, they sort of make up. You know, they always fight, but it's always going to be from the womb to the tomb with them. But they fight like cats and dogs. They fight like their brothers, their blood brothers. So, 
After that, Terry goes to see Miss Markeisha about the insurance, but he doesn't have um, car insurance to cover for vandalism. But she tells him what she might can do to cover it. And she also tells him about Cleet, the owner, who was pissed off about the brochures that he kept putting Flannery's name on. And it seemed like Cleet might have a little few connections with the mob or something. Like Cleet don't seem like he just a straight, narrow, you know, car service guy. But she also has to tell Terry to calm down because he gets to yelling like he ain't in the damn place of business. Like he's somewhere on the middle of a basketball court or a hood just yelling. So she got to tell him, like, calm down. You know what I'm saying? And he listens to her. Of course, he calms it down. So it cuts to the next scene. And we got Alvin. He in there playing with the dead bodies as usual, having him a good ass time. And the boogeyman awakes. He awakes <laughs> And he's, you know, he steals the dead man's gaiters. He takes Alvin's pants off of him. I was like, damn, Lamar, child. (laughs) And I was sitting here earlier. I had my TV going, so I had put it on season one. And I just remembered how crazy Lamar ass was for real. And then when I went and watched the interview of Leighton Simon, who's Lamar his character is based off of I'm like yeah they ain't too far off but you know in real life it was um the Lamar character is based off Leighton Simon and his brother they were two brothers they terrorized the city like boogeymans and shit so we cut into the next scene and we got Terry and Markeisha they go out for lunch so we see them growing closer they growing closer and closer like she ain't married and he ain't with Wanda so they talking about signs and he a Capricorn and flirting and, you know, all that good stuff. So she tells him about the insurance scams with people from the burbs um, setting buildings on fire in the hood, especially on nights like Devil's Night and claiming it for the insurance money. So, you know, just the regular because a lot has not changed since, you know, today's work time and world, they still do the same damn thing. Um, it's a whole bunch of insurance scams is not, if not more, cause you can do much more of them online now. So we go into the next scene and we got a little girl, Zoe, she at school having a good old time with her friends talking about a little boy asking her to go out trick or treating. And she sees Lamar's crazy ass, but when she kind of goes and a bus passes, he gone like a thief in the night. So she tells Monique, of course, but Monique tells her like, look, you just seeing things. Ain't no way you see your daddy. She even called Meech and he like, nah, that nigga dead. She like, is you sure? Like that nigga gone, gone. I did shit myself, but we know he walked off too fast. And so we go into the next scene, and Detective Brian goes to see B. Mickey and takes him for a little ride. But before it shows us where they're going, it cuts to Meech. He heads to the tattoo shop for an address on a dude, Travis, roughs up the tattoo man, and you know, for the little information on the Addy. So it cuts back, and then we see Monique calling Meech, and he just tells her, like, look, the nigga dead dead. Tell Zoe to quit watching all them damn scary movies. I'll hit you back later. So we see T. He ends up running down on the dude Cleet from the, um, you know, competitor. Now, T was about to, Terry was about to get it because they surrounded him. 
So dude is definitely connected. I don't know if it's with the mob. I don't know what shady stuff he got going on. But the dude Cleet was definitely connected somehow. But Terry did the right thing. He 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 got the fuck on down. He like, you know what? <laughs> Y'all got this. Y'all got this. Cause he knew he wasn't winning one. But you know, gave him that nod like, you will see me. You will see me. So it cuts to the next scene back to Detective Brian. He takes B Mickey to a freezer container where they keep bodies at. And, you know, it's due to the murder capital of the world. Now, I know that they were doing this in Miami in the 80s. I'm not sure about Detroit. I'm sure they were. Because around this time, especially um, during the crack epidemic, especially when I was covering Pablo, I learned a lot about this. It was bodies turning up everywhere, not only from drug usage, but from just when a crack epidemic hit, it was just more murders. And not even only, say, for instance, like Detroit inner cities, um, a lot of the Colombians was coming over here as well. And they were killing people, rivalries. It was just, it was a lot of murder. So I know in Miami in the eighties, it was so many bodies that they didn't have anywhere to put the, put them at, you know, the morgue was full. They was putting them in like Burger King freezers, freezer trucks and everything. So like, this was a real thing. I'm not sure about Detroit, but I know for a fact this was going on in Miami, but I can imagine Detroit too, because in the eighties, especially 86 through 88, it was so many homicides. Um, and just people dying off of off of drugs. Um, so he tells them that Cato, she didn't have no 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 family and nobody claimed her, so her body was in one of them too. Now he could be trying to manipulate him because he shows him a paper saying she was pregnant. But with Detective Bryant, we don't know. We don't know if he's manipulating the situation or Kato body is really in there, which is not far-fetched. And if she was pregnant, which isn't far-fetched because her and B. Mickey was getting it on. Remember, she was living at his house and it was fucking like, you know, rabbit on rabbit every day and every night. So she could have been pregnant and her body could have been in there. But this is still Detective Bryant we talking about. So he could be lying. B. Mickey get the throwing up, looking all crazy because we know he did really love Kato. So, you know, he kind of don't know what to do. Bryant and already got his mom put in a, a nicer place. He already still hurt and conflicted about um, killing Kato. And then Bryant got that gun where if he do turn him in, he know he got two bodies on him. So he stuck. If he probably just would have told Meech at first what was going on, they could have did something. But now he just doing a little too much, bro. So... It goes to the next scene, and Meech goes to see Travis. Now, he gets to the spot. We got a smoker in there. It's her and her daughter. She tells him she'll tell him where. <laughs> First, she tell him Travis jetted, and, you know, if he give her a rock, she'll let him know where he at. Tell him she'll suck him off. And she tell him she'll give him some. And she's like, come get this pussy. <laughs> so, you know, it's sad, but it's true. She she played a true-to-form smoker. That's, that's what they do. It's just a sad thing that the kids watch everything. And, you know, a lot of times they get their kids off too. Um, but he looking at her like, what? 
I don't want that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just tell us where Travis at. And he like, when the last time you fed this girl? So, you know, child, it, it cuts to the next scene. We go to the church. Glory to his name, they sing it. And everybody into the song. We got Pastor Snoop. He just shaking his head. <laughs> Miss Lucille, she getting it. She dancing. She feeling the spirit move through the church. Until she look at Charles, who I think Charles forgot he was at church. It seemed like Charles thought he was performing at a jazz band or a blues band at a nightclub somewhere. Because you got him and the lady, they looking all at each other, looking each other down, looking each other in the eyes. And Lucille noticing <laughs> But Charles, you know, Charles always mad. We ain't really seen him, you know, playing his guitar. He all happy. He's, I mean, Charles thought, I think he forgot he was at church and thought he was at some blues band concert performing like, you know, a missing singer from the Temptations or the Isley Brothers. Cause he was into that child. He was into that. <laughs> so after that, she runs to Pastor Swift. She runs to Pastor Swift because she needs some advice. And the pastor told her, you know, it's always going to be more desirable women out here, but it's your job to be more desirable. All I could say, well, damn, pastor. <laughs> then he tells her, you know, you need to be more submissive, like the Bible says. <laughs> Lucille goes to tell pastor about the magazines, how she bought a nightgown, but the spirit didn't move Charles and you know, he just tells her, well, you need to become more submissive. <laughs> oh, my God. That scene was every, that whole church scene was everything down to Charles acting like he had a blues concert and Lucille confessing Pastor Swift about her bedroom activities and him telling her basically be more desirable and, and be more submissive to your husband. So. It cuts back to Meech and homegirl is singing her daughter a lullaby. And he's like, hold on, I know that song. And then we learn that that's his old babysitter name, Grace. So B. Mickey comes in with some rock and, um, you know, she ready to fire that up. But of course they need the information. We also see that he bought um, little mama some a Happy Meal. She gives up the address, takes a hit of the rock like she going to heaven and Meech just looks at her and she like you ain't no better than me you addicted just like me just in a different way which is true which is true but it's just like a ripple effect of what he noticed like damn this was grace my babysitter how did you even get here and you realizing yeah the rock we pushing out this is what we destroy in our community and y'all know how i feel about that if you want my day one listeners we talk about the crack epidemic on this podcast all the time especially when we cover on how the shit got over here that's a whole nother topic we'd be talking for days but yeah i know how i feel about that um it's it's a bigger picture than what they brought over here for the, the 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 black boys to sell and you know it was just there and we still got them locked up in the penitentiary to this day but anywho it was a ripple effect like you know it was plenty of graces out there and they took that one hit and was gone and then it was a domino effect of what they look at what their children had to watch 
growing up so can you imagine what that little girl life was like watching her mom offer her body like that and probably would have offered her daughter so to me that part is very sad but she did play a good ass role because that's how they act is very true to form it's just very sad as well and it's just like damn it hit him but at the end of the day the money coming in and he, he all the way in you know life goes on he, he felt like he did something with bringing the little girl some mcdonald's but you know after she eat that mcdonald's what condition is she left in but anywho um that scene was very true that's how it goes down so it cuts to the next scene and we got past the swift he stepped to charles to try to talk to him about his marriage but charles threatens past <laughs> uh past the say you know pride comes before the fall and that's in the word that's in the word warning comes before destruction <laughs> <laughs> so I think Pastor was giving him, you know, a little warning. That, you know, that pride you got is going, it's going to come with a fall. But Pastor tells him to find a new spot for the magazines, and Charles just walk out of there looking so humiliated and embarrassed. <laughs> so it shows the next scene, and Charles is pissed off again because now the cars are vandalized. And he goes on fussing, you know, he already mad about being embarrassed at church. And then he really mad about, you know, the business being affected by all the vandalism. So he, um, you know, of course, talks to uh, Terry and telling him he needs to step up and be a real man and provide for his family. And all I could think was like, OK, I understand you mad, but not to be funny, but Terry is providing for the family, not you. This is Terry's money for his eye being injured through surgery this is really his car business sir <laughs> so I mean he's kind of he kind of is providing for the family but that's a whole nother story you know what I'm saying <laughs> so after he leaves all we basically see that Denise is with the shit because she like we gotta get back we gotta get get back so we see Denise she with the shit so Charles heads over to Miss Mabel's house, the next door neighbor, to do some repair work. And we see Lucille, she ignores pastor advice about being submissive. She like the hell with that submissive stuff. <laughs> so Charles and Miss Mabel, they just over there having them a good old time. And y'all know that's Miss um, Mabel, that's Black Diamond from Snowfall, Franklin Goons, uh, Black Diamond in Dallas. Y'all know that's Black Diamond who plays the Miss Mabel character. So she also goes to tell him when she gives him the money, like, you know, Charles, I respect you. And that's what he missing from home because he asked Miss Lucille, he said, when you going to give me some respect? And she said, when you earn it. So they kind of taking us down there. I'm wondering if Charles going to have an affair because she ain't being submissive. She's not showing him no respect. And what they say, what a man don't get at home, they get somewhere else. But hell, she half the time when they getting it at home, they still go get it from somewhere else. But that's a whole nother story too. But anywho, we see Miss Lucille did not take Charles' advice. And we see Charles getting respect. And he got other women just looking at him, you know. So we see where they going with that. And when we watch the docuseries, we see that their marriage did end. But we see where they're kind of going with this storyline of the, you know, they're not, you know, mating in the bedroom and all this bickering over finances. And then now he's getting attention from other women, you know. So what Miss Betty Wright say, don't blame Mr. Charlie. 
Mr. Charlie is just a man. <laughs> Don't let the clean up woman get your man. So it cuts to the next scene. Goes to the pre um <clears throat> to Detective Brian and Detective Veronica. They head to a house buyer. We see the neighbors. They was calling um at a whorehouse. They talking about let the mother burn, mother burn, and you know before it can um we see that somebody one of the neighbors they hear a man in there so detective veronica she runs in but it cuts to the next scene and we see um denise and t they getting get back on the cleats on on you know his little car service that he has so they get and get back and we see denise she being all the way with the shit and she know about cars more than some men so they in there messing it up and she's she's so good at it she like they ain't even gonna see it coming so beach and b mickey they roll down on travis as he getting it in with peaches k9 girl and so they get into a shootout and i mean the dude Travis wasn't going down. Me up there talking about some just stand down. I don't want to kill you. Travis like fuck that hell. He was blasting at they ass, and I don't blame him. You know they came in there first. You know they tried to get him outside with uh setting this little car on fire, but you know Travis was with the shit. He didn't go down easy, so they you know they had to take him out. Well, be Mickey did. So, um. I really don't know what was up with the bitch peaches, but she ain't give a fuck because she pulled out. She was ready to shoot until she found out K-9 sent them. And she like, I'm still going to do what I do. I was like, well, damn. <laughs> and Meech was like, I don't give a fuck who you fucking. I'm only here for K-9. It's a drought. I'm trying to get my shit back right. So, you know, peaches was something different. She had an attitude, I guess, because Travis was about to get ready to go down and he didn't get the finish. So, she, you know, she was let, left moist and, and pissed and she didn't get the finish. So they dragged Travis' body on down and she had an attitude. She stood, stood there, put her little gun up. When they took the body to K-9, he was pissed. They brought the nigga back dead. He wanted to do it himself. So he told Meech he ain't getting nothing. So, you know, Meech was pissed. We see the brothers, they come back together as they should because Cleek, he out driving, having him a good old funky time, just knowing he didn't got the flinteraries out the way and business is back all his. But little did he know that Denise knew more about cars and fucked up that shit. And they dragged him out and beat his ass as they should. We love to see the brothers back together. So we see Meech had his brother back. So it cuts to the next scene. And Detective Veronica, I have to, I've been saying it. She seems all right. She seems pretty solid. She saved the dude's life who was a veteran. We see it had a big effect on her. She was saying that she, um, you know, was Vietnamese and telling her story. And then we see she still has a lot of past trauma that she hasn't dealt with. And she went through a lot and it really affected her. But, you know, Detective Veronica, she seemed all right. And um, that was solidified even more at the end of the episode so it cuts to the next scene and zoe and monique they in there having them a good old family game night and the boogeyman shows up skirting off leaving candy at the door so when monique opens the door and see that it was the candy that lamar always got she knew his ass was alive so she gets to call and meet you but of course he ain't answering the phone and we also see 
Terry goes to see Markeisha and she all bruised up. So we see her husband, Boom, be beating her ass. And, you know, Terry, he runs that good game. Like, if you was my girl, you would never have to have this happen to you. He lands a passionate kiss on her. So we can say from episode three on down, they going to be together. Watch. They going to be together. That passionate kiss he landed on her and them good old game he gave her. So... We might as well say it's over for him and Wanda at this point. And I like Wanda. So we get to the meetup with Detective Bryant and Veronica sitting across. And um, it's the setup that they set up for B. Mickey to meet with the um guy who he had. Because remember, they can't get no work from K-9. So B. Mickey act like he got a plug set up. So it looked like as they was talking, T kind of looked at B. Mickey like he seemed suspicious when um Meech told him, like, yeah, B. Mickey set this up. But he goes in to get some Coney dogs, and they get in the car, but B. Mickey is stalling because he really don't want to go through with the shit. So he gets out to act like he about to use the payphone, and Brian over there having a panic attack, like, what this nigga doing? Meech and uh, his boy in the car, like, I know he ain't calling, you know what I'm saying, to get none, what the fuck? So everybody getting irritated, figuring out what's going on. Terry's still in there trying to get some Coney's, and B. Mickey looking stupid on the damn payphone. With all of this going on, the boogeyman roll up, blasting, blasting, shoots Meech. True to form, remember we watched the docuseries, remember Lamar did roll down on Meech and his boy and shot up the car and Meech did get shot. And I want to say, shit, Lamar had been shot too. Uh, I'm trying to remember, I can't remember but I think he had just got out of the hospital or something. So it was kind of true to form. It didn't go down exactly like this with a big setup. But Detective Brian and Veronica, they run over there. Brian acting like he wanted to finish the job off and kill Meech himself. He said he trying to arrest him. He bleeding out and Veronica had to yell, this, this dude needs to go to the hospital chill the fuck out Brian so like I said Detective Veronica she seems solid she do seem solid um Brian he just need to go sit down somewhere he's still pissed about season one because he him and Meech was cool be Mickey the one who messed that up in the first place but if you guys haven't watched the docuseries of BMF watch that and you'll see what I'm talking about when I say it went down like that um really good um series docuseries it was really really good so they rushed Meech off to the hospital, and that was the end of the show. So like I said, this was going to be a little lengthy because this episode was a lot. It was a lot. It was very, very entertaining. My rating, 10 out of 10. I'm going to give it a 10. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I thought it was very entertaining from start to finish, and they had a lot of action packed in there. So I give it a 10 out of 10. Don't go nowhere. I'm about to play the trailer and then I have a sleeper for you guys as well. All right. So next episode is called Running on E. This is episode four and here is the trailer. all right looks like it's gonna be fire um 
episode four is kind of always like a filler episode but the way how they've been bringing it in for these first three man they've been going strong um but it look like lamar gonna be trying to sneak in the hospital and finish meech off meech gonna be fighting for his life of course we know he'll be fine and it looks like lucille is gonna be defending her son's honor in church you know how some church people can be very opinionated um you know, it is what it is. Y'all, y'all know. But it looks like she's going to be defending his honor, you know, because even if he's in the street, he still deserves prayer, okay? Um, it is what it is, okay? So it looks like it's going to be really good, and it looks like the crew is t- going to be tired of taking orders from B. Mickey, as they should. So I do have a sleeper for you guys, but before I play the sleeper, I wanted to play um, two trailers. Y'all know Bel Air is returning, and y'all know I love recapping that. They have released a trailer. It returns in, I think, February 22nd, I believe. Um, But here's the trailer for this. This is Bel Air. And then I'm going to play Snowfall. And then I have my sleeper. Hello, new world. My whole life was based on a lie. Can't go back to the way things were. A real man doesn't avoid hard things. faces are scary. February 23rd to be exact that trailer look fire as hell I could not wait it looked like I'm gonna be getting on my nerves <laughs> but I did enjoy watching in the trailer that they have the original Ashley Tatiana Ali she's gonna be playing in there and it looks like she's gonna be Ashley on the show's uh, mentor and we still see um jazz and um Hillary, they still kicking it strong and it look like Lisa and Will might split up and he gonna be staying with Jazz for a while. So I cannot wait. Yes, we will be recapping that each week. That was the Bell Air trailer for season two and it airs February 23rd. As for February 22nd, that is the return of Snowfall. And I do want to play that trailer as well because this will be the final 
the final season for Snowfall. I am so hurt, but I do believe it's time because if they do Snowfall correct, if they do it correct, Snowfall will go down as one of the best shows done. Season five, season one was set up so perfect. Season two and season three were just amazing. Season four was two. Season five, it was okay. Take away the damn tiger episode and the, the wedding where the, everything was laced. It was solid. But if they do season six correct and keep it where you can feel that John Singleton writing, Snowfall will go down as one of the best shows. Better than The Wire, better than Power. And y'all know I'm Greenlight Gang. Y'all know I'm everything supporter of over 50 Cent. But if they do season six correctly, Snowfall will go down as one of the best because it's so accurate, it's so realistic, but they have to come correct and give us that John Singleton feeling, okay? All right, so here is the trailer for season six. Well, I'm Mary V. I have this baby. I want the life I was so close to having, I can taste it. Till they ripped it away. You were supposed to be out. Out. I'm building an empire. Starting back in zero. That ain't gonna happen. Do you know exactly who did it? You're gonna get back with you, so. You're gonna get real bad with you. Swallow your pride and make peace with your family. Because this isn't good for anyone. Told you the gloves had to come off. It's going to war. It's trying to bring this entire operation crashing down. What exactly do you need? Ruth, the CIA has been selling cocaine in the United States. February 22nd, baby. And then I will do a special podcast before it airs and we could talk about the legacy of Snowfall. You guys know, y'all know how I feel about Snowfall and I have recapped every episode. So if you have not watched Snowfall, you have time to watch it. You can binge watch it on Hulu. You can come check your girl recaps out because y'all know how I feel about Snowfall and my recaps were descriptive. So check them out check them out check them out and then i will do a the legacy of episode where we talk about what what the build up is what were the best parts 
And then after it ends, we'll talk about the complete legacy after the conclusion. But they better do it right. They better do it right. All right. So I had you guys on for quite a while. I do have a sleeper for you guys. Now back to BMF. This episode was called Devil's Night and the shit was in Detroit. So I think it's only right that I play a sleeper from Esham, Detroit's own. And the reason why I picked Esham is because he's from Detroit. And if y'all know Esham, y'all know what he represents. And it was called Devil's Night. So it's only right. So this is Esham. I'll be glad when you did. Yo, 
hope you enjoyed the show with your girl Shanice. Thank you.